I met the criteria to be selected. But I wasn't. Evening all, welcome back to Met the Criteria. I only care about one thing and one thing only, and that's getting this podcast finished by nine o'clock. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Line of Duty Series 7, it concludes tonight. So uh, I'll be following the timing of this podcast to the letter of the clock, the letter. Uh, here alongside me, Superintendent Bowie taking the lead this week, is uh, D.I. Sayers. How are you, fella? Um, I'm good. I'm trying to think of something to, to do justice to the introduction, but, but I can't. So I'm just going to let you continue um, and, and just be, be grateful that I'm A.D.I. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, me and Theo are trying to get in as many Line of Duty references into this episode as you can. Feel free to play along at home and uh, count who's winning. Um, unfortunately, uh, PC Coza, um, a bit like Steve Arnott, having issues with occupational health, has failed a drug test this week. So he's not able to join us for this week's episode. Uh, but more than capable of filling Vincent's shoes is a good friend of the podcast, our fantasy basketball champion to be. I've already decl- I've already resigned to, to my defeat in the final. Uh, it's Ollie. Welcome back, Ollie. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I don't watch the show, so I have no clue what's going on. Uh, but thanks very much. Yeah, he's here for the ride. He's here for the <laughs> now we're sucking diesel. <laughs> um we're we're gonna kick off as we always do with a couple of headlines, not as many as normal, because as we say, we've we've got a time limit here. Um this week we have seen the return of LeBron James uh, to the basketball court. Uh, but we're going to focus on a, on a younger player uh, in the league, uh, one of the Porter Juniors in the league. Uh, it's Kevin Porter Jr. in H-Town. Um, a career-high 50 points uh, in a surprise win over Milwaukee recently. Um, as our resident Houston fan, kind of a little bit Ollie, you know. <laughs> uh, what did you think to KPJ, KPJ's 50 spot? I thought it was very impressive. We've all know to some level that he's a talented guy and that his issues in the NBA have more been just a personal thing. But it was a very impressive thing. I didn't watch it at the time. You know, I mean, as as we've sort of met, noted, not really a Houston Rockets fan. Sure, I came on as an expert at that time. But <laughs> fair weather. We'll, he's a fair weather fan. <laughs> we'll just ignore that. Um, but yeah, very impressive. And uh, just sort of the real lefty craftiness that, Houston's been missing, Vinny's been missing. Uh, so, yeah, very impressive overall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you look at uh, Porter Jr., he's probably the, the fourth man uh, in the in the pecking order in Cleveland there behind sort of Sexton, Garland, Kevin Love. He was he was a little bit further down. He wasn't he wasn't getting his play. Had a little bit of a temper tantrum and, and that was it. Cleveland were like, yeah, we're done with you. We're shipping you off to, to Houston there. Ultimately, that's probably a decision that, may cost them a little bit down the road because he's, he's certainly shown some flashes and, and this is obviously a c- career high for him. Uh, Theo, do you think uh, do you think Cleveland are going to live to regret that trade more than they probably thought initially? I mean, there's definitely potential to. Um, he, he didn't leave in the greatest of circumstances. He's a bit of a trouble, troubled character, isn't he? He's had issues with like gun charges and stuff and obviously kicking off in the, in the locker room when Torian Prince, former Brooklyn Net, um, turned up in Cleveland and turfed him out of his locker. Uh, he kicked off right run, and that was the final straw, wasn't it, in Cleveland? It's tough to see. I don't necessarily think he would have developed this well in Cleveland. I think the situation in Houston is perfect for him. He's got the opportunity to be the guy that he wouldn't have had, really, especially with um, 
with John Wall being as in and out of the lineup as he has been, really injury, well, not really injury prone, but certainly this season when, when the tank is on, it's given Kevin Potter Jr. way more of an opportunity than he would have had, I think, or maybe even ever would get at Cleveland. So I'm sure they'll be looking at the trade and thinking, oh, wow, we really missed out. Realistically, he probably would never have, have developed in the way that he will at Houston. It's just really great that, that he's a proper spiritual successor to James Harden in that he's a left-handed, crafty finisher, goes to the strip clubs, gets fined $50,000, then scores 50 points the next night, like... It's it's just the the true successor to Harden there in Houston, and it's just it's just a great little storyline for for H Town. Yeah, something good for for Vinny certainly to cling to. It's been it's been a tough season for Vincent, uh, but yes, I, I think I've, another thing I like about Potter is that he's not he's not just a scorer. He can, he can get other guys involved. I mean, he had eleven assists along with those fifty points, which you know, shows that he's not just looking for his own own shot entirely. He's willing to get other guys involved. And he's had other games further down uh, against Phoenix earlier in the season, 14 assists. So uh, fair play to the guy. Yeah, and I, I thought it was impressive as well. I don't know if you saw this, that he's the youngest ever person to record a 50 and 10 game. I think he's he's just shy of his of turning 21. And uh, it really is an impressive thing. And I don't know if you saw this as well on uh, Kenyon Martin Jr.'s one of the lesser Houston Rockets uh, on his Instagram live. You heard him bragging in the background, sort of saying, did you see how I had Drew sliding all around? And yeah, fair, fair enough to him. You know, I mean, Drew Holiday is well regarded as one of the best defenders in the league, let alone guard defenders in the league. And so to put that many points up when you're being guarded by Drew and he did pull out some nice moves on Drew. So it really is. Obviously, he's not doing it consistently week in and week out uh, or night in and night out. Um, but it is a very impressive sign of the flash of the talent that he has. Yeah, absolutely. And his, his rookie season obviously was was interrupted with the pandemic. His second season didn't really get off to a good start. He had his, as Theo touched on, his disciplinary issues. Like we've got, he's still finding his feet, isn't he? But if this is if this is his if this is a level that he can get to at his absolute best and he can kind of pull up his consistency, his floor kind of thing, then he's he's certainly a player that Houston can can look forward to to building around. Um definitely it's it's one thing to drop 50 points on like Bradley Deal. It's a totally another thing to be able to do it on on Drew Holiday. And the fact that he can do it, even if it is occasional, it's It'll probably it's, it's enough value in this league to just to hang around, I think. And he's he's probably got that more or less nailed on after a performance like that. Whoa, Theo, don't come after the team that I'm supporting this week. <laughs> yeah. what, well, what can I say? What can I say? At least I said Beal and not Westbrook. Yeah. Everyone knows that the Wizards are Ollie's second team. So, <laughs> yeah. So just a quick headline there. We wanted to give a bit of props to, to Kevin Potter Jr. and Vinny's absence uh, honouring those Houston Rockets. Uh, we're going to move on now to the highlights of the last week or so. Um, guests can go first. So, Ollie. What you got? What's what's been your favorite thing that you've seen in the NBA the last seven days, also? Well, I thought we'd keep it on theme. We'll move over to another Porter Jr. and his team being the Nuggets. This being Michael Porter Jr. And obviously, over the last couple of weeks, ever since we saw Jamal Murray go down, we really thought that the Nuggets would struggle, that it would really affect their season. But since then, I think they've gone eight and one or nine and one. And this past week, the four and oh. So, and Michael Porter Jr. has rarely stepped into the shoes that have been left by Jamal Murray. And what a player he is. I mean, obviously, 
I don't want to be blasphemous and comparing to somebody who's playing in the, the Nets uh, Bucks game, but he is KD like in as much as he's 6'10 with a lot of skill and can just shoot over anyone. And so he really is, you can tell, he's enjoying the increased amount of touches he's getting on the ball, the increased amount of shots, and is stepping into that role well. Ollie, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we're not actually allowed to pick players for our highlights anymore because mysteriously the week or so later, they just seem to die. So, um, any Nuggets fans out there, I'm sorry. He's MPJ's cursed, although he has recently featured as a highlight and he's still so far doing okay. But um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, we'll say, my, we'll say my highlight was the Nuggets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. The Nuggets will probably go through COVID protocols next week now, something <laughs> on first round of the playoffs or something. No, yeah. MPJ is, uh, he's been amazing for since the All Star break, really. Like he's, he's just been so solid. I think he's, he's not far off averaging, averaging a, a double double since the All Star break. Uh, obviously, the Jamal Murray's injury is probably going to cost the Nuggets in terms of the title chances this season. But the scoring side of things has really been Porter Jr. stepped up even to another level to kind of to, to take on the mantle from Jamal Murray. If there was one skill from another player in the league that you could give to Michael Porter Jr. to sort of round him off, what would it be? We'll start with you, Theo. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a good question. Uh, I do think he could probably benefit from being a little bit stronger, I reckon. Um, I think... Probably makes a good point. He's almost like KDS. That he's got that with them real slim reaper vibes. Re, re, relies much more on his his skill, maybe more than his his, his brute strength. Maybe uh, it's certainly something he's improved on since he's been in the league. I think he's continued to, to add and and grow. In the, he's put some time in in the weight room. Um, as for like, putting that in regards to a player, oh, oh, he's a player who's particularly strong. Bam Adebayo. He needs to just get a bit of Bam in him, just a bit more, a bit more strength around the old, maybe a bit more stronger finishing, maybe. That'll be my my guess, yeah. Um, not too sure, but I think I'd go for somebody who is just just a bit more intelligent in on the defensive end. Yeah. I think because he has all that he needs tools-wise, you know, as in like he's quite quick on his feet for a 6'10 guy, he's got long arms. So I think he should cr- cause more problems, but it's just something that he needs to work on being in the right spot and different things like that. So, I mean, I'd probably, I'm not sure this is the route you're going down, but somebody like Draymond Green's intelligence or a PJ Tucker, that sort of, he's a bit taller than them, but the versatility defensively. Yeah, that's that's where I think his, his issues are. As an offensive talent, he's he's pretty much there. Like, he's probably the finish, a finished article. You'd be happy if this was how the rest of his career played out, but it is his defensive end. I think Draymond Green would be, if he had his IQ and his his ability to impact plays, um, you know, as someone that's sort of 6'10", you know, a Bam Adebayo defensive sort of standard would, would be something that I'd really see him sort of shooting up. But yeah, the Nuggets have got, got a good in there in MPJ and he is uh, really carrying them now to the number three seed, which... It's a surprise, really. They just keep on winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thea, what are you going to give us as your highlight this week? I want you to picture the scene. You're the Los Angeles Lakers. You've battled on for a long time with some big injuries to your star players. You've not had AD for a while. You had no LeBron for a while. You, 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 things are starting to improve, though. Anthony Davis is back on the court. There's murmurs that Kevin, Kevin Durant is the wrong player. LeBron James is going to be back by the end of the week, things are starting to look up, starting to improve a little bit. And AD's back in the lineup. You're on the road in Washington. 
you're getting turned over a little bit. You, you're down 10 in the third quarter against the Wizards. It's not, it's not great. And then all of a sudden, things are starting to look up by this point, remember? Rui Hachimura absolutely ends Anthony Davis. There's been a murder. It's the wrong franchise. It's not quite line of duty, but I mean, the accent is there. Rui Hachimura absolutely destroyed Anthony Davis with that big poster and it was probably like everybody likes like a nice posterizing dunk that was the the poster of the season for me i mean uh, we've had some good ones but it was just divine in fact i'm going to watch it right now as a as a as, a, as, a, as i'm going to talk you through it i can't even talk you through it it's, it's a fast break opportunity and then oh it's just a, oh, it's just a nasty dunk I'm, I'm i'm i've i've lost my train of thought the dunk has thrown me off my game that much it was just a lovely lovely poster by one of my favourite young players in the league, Roy Hachimura. Excellent job, young fellow. Well done. Keep getting at it. AD, well done. You, you, went, you jumped. You jumped. You contended. And that's really all you can... You were willing to put yourself on that poster. So respect to AD. More respect to Roy for, for pulling it off. Yeah, I think it was um, it was a tough one for AD in two ways, really. Obviously, there's, there's the dunk, but then there's also the fact that he, he kind of got off a forearm, bit of an elbow to the face from Hachimura, didn't it? So it was like almost like double double punishment there for AD. But yeah, cracking dunk. What did you think, Ollie? Oh, I, I thought it was an amazing dunk. And to, to put it over one of the best defenders in the league, really, sort of a, a guy who it's not many are better at defending the 4-5 position, really. And so to get that name, to get that poster on him, and it really, Hachimura is just a great player, having, as I said, being a, a proud Washington <laughs> Wizards fan. That, that's how I'm replacing Vinny, by supporting all of the teams. Um, but yeah, sort of ha- having watched a lot more Wizards games because of Westbrook this year, I do like Hachimura as a player, sort of, a, as Theo said, obviously as a young player, but he does have a lot of skills and he shows, does really play with a lot of heart and a lot of hustle. So I do like him as a player and I, jo- I do enjoy watching him. There was a discussion, uh, I'm sure you'll probably hear it as well, Ali, on no dunks about wh- whether this was the better dunk or, or was it Bam on Jakob Pertl? I think that was this week as well. And the no dunks, no dunks crew seemed to edge towards the Pertl one, with uh, the well, the Bam on Pertl one, because, you know, it was it was a more emphatic dunk or, or whatever. And there was, you know, AD's been injured, he's just coming back. I don't think in 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 two years' time, when you look back at some of the highlight dunks this season, no one's gonna remember, oh yeah, but AD had only been back a couple of games. It's like he could have won two defensive player of the years in a row by then. Like this, this is one for Rui Hachimura's um I mean, I don't know if they have a Hall of Fame in Japan. Basketball Hall of Fame induction. This will be in his in his video if he ever gets there. It it was it was phenomenal, and yeah, definitely a great highlight there. Uh, over to me now. Um, my highlight this week is for the Phoenix Suns, who are now the holders of, I think. Not, I don't think it's the best record in the NBA, but it's at it's the very least the best record in the Western Conference, taking over that number one seed from the Utah Jazz. Uh, they've had some really tough games recently on the schedule. Uh, came up against the Clippers, uh, another game against the Utah Jazz. They've now swept the season series against Utah. Um, and they've just, they just, Phoenix are just, are just Chris Paul. Does he miss a mid-range shot ever? Probably not. 
um, ne- never seems to to miss them, especially in the clutch. The ball just goes to Chris Paul. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's been in that position so many times throughout his career that he can he can finish that game no problem. And he's also got a running mate in his backcourt in Devin Booker, who also is more than capable of hitting big shots, closing out games. So the Suns taking over the number one spot, fantastic. But particularly Chris Paul, uh, CP3 in MVP voting for me. He's he's got to be in, in that top three because um, he's just been he's been phenomenal. Top three, top three, yeah, indeed, yeah, top three. I mean, if they end up as the best best team in the league, if, if you've got to think there's going to be one representative. And and last season, you know, they were they didn't even make the playoffs in the end, did they? So. Chris Paul is the difference from last season. To, oh, unless you want to put Jay Crowder in your MVP vote, go for it. Go for it. Top five. Top five. Yeah. What are you saying, Theo? Uh, it's a tough one. Um, the MVP race is, uh, I don't know. It's almost like a two horse race at this point. So it's almost at what point do you stop discussing the other candidates? Like, yes, he had a, he's had a superb season, but can you really compare him to what Jokic is doing or what Embiid's doing? Probably not. So at that point, who else is in that conversation? It's, it's, it's tough. But take nothing away from CP3. He has been excellent. And he's been a... I don't think anybody could have, asked, have, have imagined the kind of impact that he's had on that Suns team. Everybody, we all sat here in, in the pod, not Ollie, but Ollie, the Vincent that is Ollie. We all sat here and said, yeah, great trade. Brilliant addition. He's re- they're really going to be solid playoff a solid playoff team now. Nobody saw this coming. None of us saw this coming. And obviously, he's not the only difference maker. He's not the only improvement that they've made. But he is by far and away like the driving force that's that's led them to the top of the top of the West. Absolutely. So yeah, CP3. If on if it, we were in a genuine meritocracy when it came to MVP voting, yeah, he probably would just deserve to be up there. But let's be honest, he's no he's no Nikola Jokic, is he? As far as the actual MVP race goes. No. Yeah, that's true. Um, do we think the Suns can carry this into the playoffs? Is this is this going to take them to a to a conference finals or, or further? What do you think? I don't think that it should, but with teams like the Clippers, it could. Okay. So it's ultimately, I think that they are outmatched personally when it comes to teams like the Clippers, who they might have to face. Um, but then with other teams such as Utah or Denver, I think they might be on similar footing. Um, but yeah, if it comes to, I mean, who, who would they be facing? Because they'd be in the yeah, two, the, bra- and then the brackets. Whoever, yeah. yeah, yeah, whoever plays them. But so in a so just take for example, if this in the second round they were facing the Clippers, the Clippers should beat them. But we know that the Clippers are soft, you know, mm. as in like it's so ultimately it's. I don't think that they should, but ultimately I, I didn't expect them to be well, as good as they it. were. So I've learned to not bet against Chris Paul. No, absolutely. What do you reckon, they? Yeah, it is a tough one. Like, they are proving to be, well, they are so far the best regular season team. They've beaten more or less everybody they've come against in some capacity or other so far this season. But as Vincent loves to, to point out, the playoffs are a totally different beast. Um, it's totally, put, put these Suns in a series, is it a different game altogether? Um, I would like to say yes. I want to have faith, but then you look at the, the juggernauts in the form of like the LA teams. Um, it's tough to see any any team beating them in a seven game series. Really, the, more so the Lakers and the Clippers, but they've definitely got to be in with a, a serious consideration. I reckon. 
Yeah, I think that the biggest thing that will hold them back will be the the inexperience because it is it is only Chris Paul and Crowder that have I think on their roster that have played in meaningful playoff games at the very least. So, but yeah, Devin Booker he's 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 a clutch guy, isn't he? So you know who knows how he's going to fare in his first playoffs. But yeah, we just can't wait to get there. So yeah, go Phoenix though. Uh, let's talk about the lowlights of the week. Uh, guests don't go first this time. Theo, what's your biggest disappointment this week? For me, it's a bit of a sombre one, really. Is it sombre? I don't know. Uh, I'll just tell you what it is. So Rudy Gobert this week got absolutely clowned. He got He's getting the absolute mickey taken out of him by getting crossed up by one of uh, Devin Booker or Donovan Mitchell. I can't remember which one it is. Um, we know I'm not good with these guys, but... Something happened in one of the games, and there's been loads of memes of him getting set, put on skates. Get, uh, Booker Mitchell does a nice little like drag back, drains the three, and, and Robert's like nowhere to be seen. It, hilarious, haha, very good. And the 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 absolute 76ers hype beasts bigging it up. Oh, oh you never see that happen to Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is definitely defensive player of the year, and I, it's just an absolute disrespect that. Gobert has received for this play and there's also another play against what who was it the Timberwolves right the, the last possession that layup he sort of overplayed the, the perimeter and, and D'Angelo Russell snuck in got an easy layup won the game two very mm, well what's the word two two instances that have been very well broadcast that are now being blown massively out of proportion Rudy Gobert can't possibly be the defensive player of the year we'll just drop some knowledge on you now because I'm I didn't realize I like Rudy Gobert as much as I do until this happened uh, let me get my statistics so these are the career defensive ratings for the eight most frequent players next to Gobert and Simmons so far this season so these are the defensive ratings for the eight players that, that these guys spend the most time on the court with um, for Ben Simmons, the average defensive rating for his teammates is 106.8. Ben Simmons' defensive rating so far this season is 106.7. So he is 0.1 of a point better defensively than his teammates have average over his career. Rudy Gobert, uh, Rudy Gobert's teammate average over the careers is 109.7. Uh, Rudy Gobert this season, his defensive rating is 101.3. That's 8.4 points better than the average career defensive rating of the eight most popular team. Rudy Gobert is an absolute force defensively. That Utah team runs through Gobert on both ends of the floor. I think it's time we... Yes, Ben Simmons is a very good defender. Really, really good. Rudy Gobert is on another level. Rudy Gobert is... Put him in a... a, a he's just great. He's just Rudy Gobert getting clowned. I really don't have any time for it. And that's been my low light this week. Wow. Never, never knew you were such a Utah star. Me neither. Just to, to focus on that battle, though, between Rudy Gobert and Ben Simmons, it is, they are different players. You know, as in, like, fair enough saying that Rudy Gobert may be better at the one type of, well, I'm not disrespecting the rest of his game, but the one preliminary and most important type of defence that he plays, he's a rim protector. It's the most important shot to protect in basketball. But he can't do everything else that Ben Simmons can do. I'm not necessarily saying one side or the other. I'm just sort of playing the other side here. It's just Ben Simmons can guard one through five, and he can do a pretty good job of guarding one through five. You don't want Rudy. I mean, he's probably better than most seven-foot centers, but you don't really want Rudy Gobert chasing around a, a quick guard. 
Whereas Ben Simmons, it's like, if you had five Ben Simmons on the court, sure, there'd be no spacing ever. Yeah. But defensively, they could do a job. Yeah, I think that's 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 the big debate with the the DPOY. It always seems to go to the big guy. I mean, I think the last guard to win it was, I think there's only ever been one point guard that's won it and a couple of shooting guards here and there. It does always seem to be that big rim-protecting guy. Um, I mean, the the 76 is uh if, if anyone ever needs someone to run a campaign, get Dot Rivers because it's it's all the time that they're bringing that up. But they also want Embiid to win defensive player of the year and MVP. So the Sixers just want all the awards. But I mean, I personally, as a as a as a smaller player who has no chance of, of guarding the rim, I personally lean towards Simmons as that sort of perimeter player. Uh, who can who can lock guys up there? Gobert's not got a chance, but um, but yeah, it's it's tough to argue against Rudy. I would like to make a point though in my research on this point. Um, so of players to have guarded over fifty isolation plays so far this season, Rudy Gobert allows 0. 0.71 points per isolation possession. Ben Simmons allows zero point seven three. So Rudy Gobert is better at guarding isolation plays this season than Ben Simmons. So stuff that in your Ben Simmons can guard one through five. Yes, obviously Ben Simmons is a better defender one through five. But obviously one of the biggest criticisms of Gobert is that he can't. He's a, he's a mismatch. If he can get the mismatch, you, you can hunt it down. You can't because he's perfectly. I think he's I think he's third or fourth in the league at defending isolation possessions on that point per possession basis. So Gobert for me, he's got to be. He's got to be. Just one last comment is just on on that stat though. Simmons often starts the game. Who are the best players in the league? It's your Durants, it's your LeBrons, Kawhis, uh, your uh, Antetokounmpo's. You know, it's it's your people who are in that sort of two to four range. And they're in particular the people that Simmons will be guarding. You know, as in like it's... So, yeah, they may be scoring more points, but they're the people who are scoring the most points. How many times does Rudy Gobert actually have a truly difficult matchup at mm-hmm. centre? Because the, the good centres, most of them died out years ago. You know, as in like there's Embiid, there's Cat, obviously, offensively very good. Jokic. But other than that, there aren't really too many very good centres to be gotten. Again, I'm not saying that Gobert isn't a good defender. He's a great defender. But just on a matchup basis, I'd say he has an easier job. Yeah, I think uh, if you're <laughs> there's a difference between an isolation where you're guarding someone like Brad, Bradley Beal and an isolation where you're guarding maybe I don't know an extreme example would be like Boban Marjanovic or someone like that. Like you, you'd take an isolation in that situation any day of the week, wouldn't you? Theo, incredible research, like put, putting me putting me to shame here. Literally, like look at all these deep dive stats that we're getting here from Theo. Very impressive stuff. Uh, my my low light is going to look. Um, ridiculous by comparison because I literally just saw that one team gave up 154 points this week and I was like oh that's a lot isn't it and that's that's my low light so yeah the Sacramento the Sacramento Kings giving up 154 points at home to the Utah Jazz Jazz obviously a good team had a great season but the Kings aren't the Kings aren't tanking I know De'Aaron Fox has been out injured Harrison Barnes has got injured this week as well but to, to lose that badly at home, I mean, I don't know how many fans there are um, at the Golden One Centre or whatever whatever their arena's called, but it, however many there were, they probably left after um, the first quarter or something because that is, that is an obscene amount of points to be given up. Um, yeah, disappointing. 
the the um, OKC gave up 152. They were they were they were going for it, trying to beat that most points conceded this season. But I think to to see any team in any sport play that badly is is very disappointing. So yeah, mine goes out to the the Sacramento Kings. Should the Aaron Fox stay with the Kings long term? We know he signed a big contract at the start of this season. Is it worth him waiting it out in Sacramento? It's a, it's a tough one for him because he will be the guy in Sacramento. I, it, it's tough to see any many other situations where he could go and be the guy like he is in the Kings. It's his franchise, essentially. So I guess it depends on how ambitious he is as a player. Um, players often get criticised for showing loyalty. If you think of Damian Lillard, it should be like, oh, he should have left Portland years ago if he wanted to win something. But at the same time, should we really be demonising these players for sticking with sticking it out with a franchise I don't think we should so I am strongly of the opinion yeah let, he should be there he should be the man and then put it on the front office like surround me with talent do something don't waste my loyalty by not not successfully surrounding me with the talent I need to succeed so yes I think you should stick it out and really put the pressure on uh, on getting some getting him some help getting some help yeah I'm I'm with the I, I do like loyalty in the league because we do I understand that sort of the whole thing of it's a business, the organisation will trade you if you're not valuable to them. So I understand that. But I mean, I suppose the argument to that is don't sign these massive contracts if you want to completely control where you go. So I do think that you sign that contract with the intention of staying. Uh, Down the road, I understand sort of if they don't help him out at all or if they can just continue to make bad decisions and bad draft picks, then it's understandable if in a couple of years' time he wants to go. But I'd say give it a year or two more, him, Halliburton, um, possibly Rashawn Holmes as well, and sort of see what else they can do. Maybe if you can flip Buddy Heald for something else um, and whatever else they can do. I mean, probably just try and tank for the rest of the season, see if you can get a better draft pick. And it's just, for him, I'd give him another year or two just to see what he can do. Yeah, I think it's it is a shame. It's it's difficult to see these these young stars that are in like a, almost abandoned markets that have got no chance of going anywhere. Obviously, Anthony Davis was in that position. Carl Anthony Towns. Now it seems like the Aaron Fox is sort of a, a top player in the league that's just just got no no chance with what's around him at the moment. Uh, but I do like Halliburton. I have had to abandon my Halliburton for Rookie of the Year campaign. Um, that's that's not gone too well, especially with Lamelo coming back now. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some pieces in there, so I suppose you're probably right. It is worth uh, RDR and sticking around in a, for a little while in Sacramento. Ollie, let's go to you with your low light this week. I haven't fully decided which one I'm going to go for, so I'm just going to pick now. Let us All right. All right. B. B. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if it's cheating because, I mean, it was announced this week, but it's actually happening tomorrow. I don't know if you've heard too much about it, but this game that they're going to have between the Pelicans and uh, Golden State tomorrow is going to be a broadcast with the Avengers doing Mm. the broadcast. And it just seems very gimmicky because that's exactly what it is. And while I understand that viewership is down and they want to just try and get that up and just bring money in, it just feels very American. And I, I know that it is an American sport, and so therefore it is understandable. But at the same time, it just feels like focus on the game, you know, as in like if, if you're really struggling that much, you need to do something about the product itself if you're really struggling. 
to draw people in. And I just think that doing gimmicks like that just makes the regular season and to a degree the sport, the league, just look a bit silly. I don't know what you boys think. I mean, I'd, I'd not heard of that. So the, the broadcast team is going to be the the Avengers. Yeah, well, I'm guessing not the real Avengers. I'm guessing no. they've not got like Chris Hemsworth and and Robert Downey Jr. But it's going to be people pretending to like actors, but not the actors. As far as I'm aware, it it might involve some sort of animation, and but all of that will be done ahead of time. But then will be sort of played during the broadcast in some way. Uh, it's not the main broadcast. I think it's on ESPN two or ESPN Plus or whatever. Um, but it will be done and there'll be a storyline throughout the game where they're trying to find different heroes. I think they follow three players on each team. And then at the end, they announce who is the champion of the game, Marvel, wow. of the Avengers champion. And it just seems very cheesy, very gimmicky and just a bit of a joke. It, is a, it sounds off, well, like, like I say, it's just a cash grab, isn't it? But it sounds yeah. great. Like you've really sold it to me. I know you were trying to make it sound like it was really bad. But well, I am in. I want to find out. What's I was going just, on. I was just going to ask, who is the audience for this? Like, what, what, who are they trying to appeal to here? And we, we I've had I my mean, answer given to me. It's Leo. Me. And I tell you who else I bet is probably locked in. New generation media. I bet them new generation True. media boys are going to be all over this. Yeah, because I mean, right. I, I, I like Avengers. You know, as in like, I like them seeing the films, but it's like it just seems a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's fine, isn't it? It's like you know, it's like certain foods. You know, you might like you might like a scone, or you might also like a bacon butty, but you don't want to merge them together. You can like Avengers and you can like basketball separately. Exactly. I think, yeah, I think I, I've not I heard about try it. That, though. I would, I would try a bacon butty on a scone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you not? No, That's absolutely not. With raisins. Jared, Jared, we're selling these ideas quite well. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you've educated on me because I'd, I'd heard about this very vaguely, but I did, didn't know much about it. And it did sound a bit weird as a concept. And now you've explained it a bit more. It, it does sound even even weirder. And just like you're saying, just, just an attempt to, to get that revenue up. And the, and the game itself, that, that very game, yeah, it may not mean loads. Obviously, the Warriors are fighting for the playing spots. But that game will should start Steph Curry and Zion Williamson. Obviously, Jared is obviously a Zion Williamson hater. But they are two huge stars in the game. Contrasting but massively entertaining ways of playing. Sell that. Don't don't get Iron Man in there. You know, <laughs> like it. Yeah, maybe they should have picked uh, some lesser teams in the league. But then again, would anyone want to watch the uh, Thunder against the Rockets with Iron Man in there? Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, good low lights. Um, let's let's have a, as we say, time is pressing on. We've got roughly nine minutes until nine o'clock. So let's wrap this baby up. Uh, just talk about some of the games that we're looking forward to uh, over the next week or so. Uh, do you want to kick things off, Theo? I'm looking forward to Friday evening, the wee hours of Friday. In fact, we'll call it Saturday because that's why when I'm going to watch it. Um, the Suns play hosts to the New York Knickerbockers. Now, the Knicks, obviously, we've, we've heaped praise on the Knicks over the last couple of weeks. They've been superb, um, fantastic. Knicks, genuinely the real deal so far. This will be a nice little test for them. The Suns are scorching. I'm trying to think of a really somewhat cheesy to say about the Suns being like heating up or whatever. I'm not going to do it. Anyway, the Suns, great. Nick's good. So let's watch these clash of two overachieving teams. Oh, like, could you say that? Is that fair to say? So two teams that may be overachieving, but also also maybe probably deserve to be where they are. 
in, in a clash of the moderately, surprisingly quite good teams on Saturday, Friday slash Saturday. Knicks against the Suns. Boom. Excellent. Love the uh, the. You should put that, put that in a T-shirt or in the advert. A clash of two moderately overachieving but deserve to be where they are teams. Great strap line, Theo. Love it. Love it. Uh, I'm going to give my pick for this week and hopefully I don't steal all these. Um, I'm looking at a week today, uh, Sunday the 9th, a nice friendly UK tip-off time between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. Last year's Eastern Conference Finals matchup. Um, Tatum obviously had an incredible game earlier this week, dropping 60 points, tying Larry Bird's franchise record there. Um, and he's been on a bit of a tear recently. So the Celtics are now level in the standings with the Heat, or they, they've kind of been jumping jumping back and forth for a while now. Uh, at this stage, both teams are tied at 34 and 30. Obviously, a lot could change between now and then. But this basically will probably decide which team stays out of the playing tournament and which team gets the sixth seed, which, I mean, do you do you want to play Milwaukee in the first round? If you're Miami, maybe. If you're Boston, probably not. So it'd be interesting to see how the, the sort of tactical side of things go up for that one. Uh, big game for both teams, uh, Boston against Miami. Uh, Ollie, what you got? I'm looking forward to Thursday night uh, on the 6th, LA, LA. Uh, the, the matchup that many would like to be the Western Conference final, but at the moment it's looking more like it could even be a first round matchup. And that's part of the reason why it is important, well, important to win or lose for LA, whether or not they want to face the other LA in, uh, in the first round. Because obviously it's poor really. I mean, the Clippers have just lost three on the spin and just lost ground to the Nuggets who've gone and passed them, the shorthanded Nuggets that we mentioned before. And so really the Clippers need this win to sort of try and get to the third seed because I think we just presume that the the Lakers will probably pick up some ground with LeBron being back. But I just think it's obviously it's a Stars League and we want to see AD and LeBron versus Kawhi and Paul George. So that's the game I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it's an interesting... Um, and I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because do you, do you think the Lakers want to see the Clippers in the first round just to just to get rid of them? Or do you think that they'd be more keen to see them further down the road? I reckon. I'd like to think that their mindset is, oh, yeah, well, it's just any other team. Let's go in and beat them. But we know full well that they, if they get the, the Clippers in, the, they're going to be bricking it. They're going to be terrified of that as a first-round matchup because you've got to beat the good teams to win the championship. Of course you do. But you want an easy, the easiest path to the finals you can get, really. Um, and I certainly think the Clippers are probably one of the teams that are best equipped to handle the Lakers. So they, I, I reckon that the last team we'd want to see in the first round is probably the other side of LA. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. It's You really don't want to see them in the first round because, I mean, they aren't fully healthy at the moment. And AD has been prone to picking up small injuries. LeBron is 36 years old. And I don't know if you saw the interview where he said he doesn't think that he'll ever be 100% again. And so it's you want to give him as much time as possible to play not not a, a nobody opponent, none of the because obviously the position that the Lakers are in at the moment, whoever they face in the first round, nobody's going to be easy. But I'd say the Clippers can give you more problems than the other teams if they play to their highest potential. And the Lakers want nothing less than going out in the first round. And I think the Clippers offer a threat to knock them out. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you make valid points. 
I just think that the Clippers obviously had such such a collapse last season in in that second round series that if I was the Lakers, I'd almost be leaning more towards going up against them because Jokic has been the MVP this season. But uh, you'd, do you want to face him in a first round when is Anthony Davis healthy enough? Can he really keep him in his pocket? Maybe not. The Clippers, Kawhi Leonard's only just coming back from an injury. Uh, Paul George has had some issues. He's, he's he's playing through pain at the moment. He's he's had a breakthrough and said, you know, I've just I've just learned to play through the pain. You know, is that pain going to intensify? Is he going to have some more of them backboard side of the backboard shots? You know, as you said earlier, the Clippers have got this reputation for being soft, whereas you know LeBron James is is a winner, isn't he? He's, that's that, that's his time in the playoffs. So. I think it'll be it's very interesting to see the sort of little intricacies of all the little, you know, tactical where do we want to finish, who do we want to get in our bracket in the first round and stuff. So fascinating to see. Great pick for a, a highlight of the week. And there we go, boys and girls. Three minutes to go. We could probably skip the first two minutes because it's kind of just a recap of what we just seen the last couple of weeks, just to, you know, get our get our appetites wetted for the rest of the episode. Uh, hopefully it's a great episode. Martin, shout out to UK Next fans. We know you're a big line of duty fan, and that's part of the reason you've been ducking us so that you've not been coming on the pod recently. But the series is over after this week. So hopefully see you next week, Martin. Uh, but yeah, thanks all for listening. Um Ollie, what a superstar. Thank you for jumping on and joining us this week. Uh, more than filled in his shoes. Um, we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to make in a trade request to get get rid of Vinny and send him off to another anti-corruption unit and keep you here with us. Um, and yeah, thanks a lot. It's been Jared. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always on on Line of Duty Pod. Please join us next week. <laughs> we'll talk more about Line of Duty. So. Thanks very much for having me, boys. Shout out to the boy Vinny. <laughs> thanks.